AJ Vanderbeck was as advertised on Friday, basically calling a shot, um, skated on the penalty box, smacked a stick on the ice a few times, asking for the puck, finally got it and scored. <laughs> um, and a little birdie who's down in the penalty box, uh, scoring table area told me he basically called it before the door opened to the penalty box. I think he said something like this one's over as soon as he stepped up. <laughs> so I hear, uh, I hope that story is true. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Uh, welcome to episode 10 of season 4 of the Chasing McNaughton podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. Rob Gillery. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavan. Hey, everyone. Don't eat the yellow snow. <laughs> this week, since MTU played St. Cla- uh, Thomas... And host Minnesota State back-to-back. We've invited an old guest, Shane Frederick, on the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Shane. Uh, You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. This week we'll discuss uh, Michigan Tech's trip down to Mendota Heights and how that went for Tech, the upcoming series with Minnesota State, and uh, the Joe Show. And I'm sure we'll touch on a couple other things. I think I posted a couple things in the Slack for us to talk about, but... uh, We'll get there. We'll see what else we can come up with. Anything big that you guys want to talk about that I didn't point out directly? No, that covers it for me. And off the top of my head. All right, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor. We'll be back to chat about uh, last weekend and next weekend with Shane Frederick. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We fund everything a tech hockey guide from listeners like you. You can show your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Whether you're interested in question priority, access to patron-only Zoom chats with coaches and players, instat deep dives, extended versions of the podcast, unedited video or audio, early access, or commercial-free listening, there's a level for you. We also now have 15% discounts off annual memberships with tiers ranging from $2 to $50 per month. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Uh, welcome back. Let's get right into things. I, how How is Minnesota State doing this year? It's a little different than what it's been the last few years, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. They're, they're a team that I think still trying to you know, figure things out a little bit. They're, they're, they, you know, coming off this weekend, uh, splitting at home against Northern Michigan, which no shame in that, but I think it was an odd thing for people to see them lose at home early in the season. And I think it's, I think I wrote that it's only their sixth home loss um, since the 2018, 19 season, since the start of that season. Um, But 
you know, it's to be expected a little bit. I mean, I would have been really shocked if they had just picked right up where they left off. Um, you know, you look at a team with no Dryden McKay, especially no Nathan Smith, Jack McNeely, Reggie Lutz were both fifth year guys who who finally graduated after what probably seemed to everybody else like about 15 years in an MSU uniform. <laughs> um, and, you know, those were, you know, all pretty key losses uh, throughout the lineup. And, um, you know, you look at their defensive core with, uh, you know, a really strong pair in, in uh, Jake Livingstone and Akito Hiroshi, uh fifth-year guy in Andy Carroll, and then three spots to fill with guys who either played limited minutes, the la- limited games even the last couple of years, or, or freshmen. And then up front, um, you know, you have a few pretty strong guys back and Brendan Furry, Cade Borchert, uh, some first, you know, some first line type guys, some top six um, guys. Uh, but, you know, everyone kind of moved up the uh, the line chart a little bit. And, uh, oh, you know, and I also forgot to mention, uh, you know, Julian Napravnik also graduating. So, um, you know, that's a lot of points and, you know, a lot of spots where good players just have to move up and i think they're all kind of getting their their feel of you know what it's like to be on the first power play unit instead of the second power play unit or playing just more minutes in general or you know just having a little bit more of a target on your back because you're not hiding um in the line chart behind a a nathan smith and a uh, julian napravnik anymore um so you put all that stuff together you mix in some freshmen um, you mix in some, you know, second year guys who didn't play much, um, and even some third year guys who didn't play much the last couple of years because the lineup was so full. And it's, you know, it's, it's Tanner a- Edwards. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> his name seems to come up whenever we uh, <laughs> have this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> did 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 Minnesota State dip into the portal at all this year? No, I don't think this year they did. Um, the only guy that I that, that came up was they had a couple guys last year. Okay, um, Josh Grohl from Michigan, uh, David Cilia, who's one of their top scorers this year, uh, who came over from Clarkson, I believe. Um, yeah, uh, just this this it's, year. Not when, so did, much. when did Sam Morton come over from Union? Sam Morton came over a couple years ago. Okay. Uh, he he actually came over, I believe two seasons ago and was not going to play. He thought he was ineligible to play the at least the first half of the COVID year and then ended up um, being able to play um, after uh, Thanksgiving, I believe. And almost, you know, the season didn't even really start that year until just about Thanksgiving anyway. So yeah. um, he, he played, he played quite a bit that year. Okay. Yeah. The, I know I watched a little bit of, I think it was Friday night's game since it went to overtime and everything. And and it was interesting. Like I, I know I pulled up my phone and I, I saw the shots and saw the score and I was kind of su- surprised because it, it seemed like Northern was having a pretty good game. Uh, I think at the time it was 25 to 20 on the shots or something. And it was tied or I don't even recall, but I remember showing Dustin the phone and we were both kind of like, well, that's kind of surprising um, just from, yeah. you know, being at home and everything. And 
Right. And, and, and as you know, I mean, Minnesota State likes to dictate play. They like to, you know, whether that's, you know, shutting things down defensively or just possessing pucks in the offensive zone and really not giving their opponent much of a sniff. And, and Friday night, you know, I thought Northern pretty much dictated play most of the time. Uh, Keenan Rancier, who got the starting goal, was outstanding that night. Um, he stopped 32 shots. He, um, he had to stop three. He had to stop two of three. He stopped two of three breakaways on shorthanded chances for Northern. And, you know, to give up one shorthanded breakaway is, is bad enough to do it three times in one game is, um, you know, that's, that's tough for a, a penalty or for a power play to swallow. So uh, they, they tightened things up on, on Saturday. That's for sure. But Friday, I thought Northern dictated play. They like to get up and down the rink. Uh, they do a pretty good job of that. Uh, AJ Vanderbick was as advertised on Friday. He um, they did a really good job shutting him down on Saturday. Um, didn't really notice him much of it at all. Uh, for obviously Friday had two goals, shorthanded goal and and the uh, overtime winner coming out of the penalty box and basically calling a shot. Um, skated on the penalty box. Smacked his stick on the ice a few times, asking for the puck. Finally got it and scored. <laughs> um, and a little birdie who's down in the penalty box uh, scoring table area told me he basically called it before the door opened to the penalty box. I think he said something like, this one's over as soon as he stepped up. <laughs> so I hear. Uh, I hope that story is true. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that sounds interesting. Northern's a team that was able to get to Mankato a few times when you know Mankato was at the top of their game last year. I think Northern took them down. So there's, there's... they did last year, but they did. They obviously they won this uh, WCHA semifinal in Mankato um, mm-hmm. two two years ago. Um, put five goal. I think scored five goals on Dryden McKay. He had a bad night. Yeah, I think it wasn't it last year that Northern won three games straight against the number one ranked teams when they swept Duluth, and then the next weekend they took one against Mankato. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was last last uh, last year, wasn't it? I believe right. Mm-hmm. They, there's something. There, there's just something about the way that they play that some somehow they they can get to Mankato every once in a while. Seems like to me. Yeah, I think they they they're aggressive. Um, you know, obviously they're aggressive on the penalty kill. Um, you know, I, I think they, and I think that doesn't necessarily cause Minnesota state, you know, fits in general, but, um, when a team plays that way and other teams don't, I think it might surprise them a little bit at first that, uh, they obviously adjusted and played really well on Saturday, but that's, I, I do think that, you know, a team comes out and plays that way against them. Um, they got to find a way to react to it, um, you know, early enough. Otherwise, you know, that again, you know, Northern will just dictate that play and, and they got, they got the guys who can do that. So, mm-hmm. well, hopefully they didn't give Mankato too much of a wake up call before this upcoming weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll be curious to see how they do on the road. They have one road win. They've only played a few road games, but you know, got, uh, you know, lost their opener up at, uh, Mariucci. Uh, to the Gophers, uh, got swept at St. Cloud, um, and won, you know, the first game of a home and home against St. Thomas. So, uh, you know, 
They were three, you know, one and three. And uh, yeah, they just haven't played a lot of road games yet. So this, and this is always a, a good test for them and a tough place to play. Yeah. It should be a little different being uh, Thanksgiving week for tech. And they're not really used to being home this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure. I know there's a lot of some friends of mine in Mankato who are planning on going up just to experience Houghton for the first time. And I, you know, I said, it's too bad. I assume there won't be a lot of students around and, and it won't quite be the same as uh, a typical weekend uh, up there. Yeah, do they still take the whole week off, that. Matt? What now? Do they still take this whole week off? I don't know. I I believe they do. When I was there, at least, I'm not sure if they still do. I'm I'm starting to get old enough where my friends on <laughs> campus are few and far between. Okay, I'd, I'd be surprised <laughs> if they. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they don't. Well, I mean, I know the biggest difference was it was always that this was the end of the first trimester. Back when I was a freshman, but that now was it's more so the fact the they just want to give because you know no one lives near tech for the most part. They wanted to give kids enough for time Rob. To... Yeah, <laughs> that's why that for the most part disclaimer was in there. <laughs> yes, but um, yeah, it's just a chance to let those kids go home and actually experience being home without having to drive twice in a blizzard. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> like, it, and it is nice to, back, to give you, know? you give you more time. So if there is a blizzard Friday, you can go home Saturday or Sunday. You don't have to go home on Wednesday to make it home kind of thing. I get that. Uh, but yeah, it, it should be a little different. I mean, I'm I'm intrigued to see how that all goes. I don't know if I'll get to watch much on Saturday, but I should be able to watch Friday. And, and I know, I think we've all been pretty surprised with Michigan Tech so far this year to some extent that, I mean, I would have never guessed that going into Thanksgiving weekend that Michigan Tech would be 19th in the pairwise. Um, but at the same time, they've done a good job of winning games they should. And really only, I'd say, what, one? Like, probably the Lake State tie is the big one you'd point at and be really disappointed in what happened versus what could have happened. Otherwise, it's pretty much they had a good game or they had a bad game and they won most of the good ones and they lost most of the bad ones. And there really hasn't been many games where you were like, if only they could have done this other than maybe saying like, if, if only they could have scored on the power play tonight, which is, you know, a rather generic thing, but usually the losses were not that close. Right. I mean, like when Bemidji came in that, I mean, I guess the one game was close and maybe you think tech should have, won that instead of tying but yeah it's 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 been good and hopefully they can keep it up and at least keep maybe not make the tournament but keep keep the conference conversation alive that it won't be a one bid conference kind of thing or it might not it's always yeah, and I think a to, nice thing <laughs> i think to go back to that bemidji's a team i just always like to compare myself to so I I was a little disappointed we got swept at home, but no, it wasn't a sweep. It was a second game was a tie. Oh, yeah, well, second was a tie. I must be remembering the yeah. It's an NCA tie. Loss. We lost in the shootout, right? Yeah, yeah, I must be remembering that. But still, I was hoping to I was hoping to pick up a split in that one. But it's <laughs> tough to complain. We'll we'll get we'll get back at them hopefully. But 
for the most part, I would agree with you. It's been a we we were expecting a very down year, and it's only been like kind of a down year. Is this what good teams do? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, it's a rebid, real re, reload, retool, not a rebuild. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. The joys of low ex- confused. Yeah. The joys of low expectations. Yeah, yeah. No, the joys of when we went, we're like, hey, that was kind of neat, right? Yeah. No, I have you been paying it's... much attention to St. Thomas? Not a ton. I mean, I get to see a little bit of, I guess, both both uh, Minnesota State games against against the Tommies. Um, uh, yeah, as a St. Thomas grad, I have not quite jumped on the bandwagon yet. Uh, I, <laughs> um, although waiting I did for want... that new shiny building, right? I am. But uh, yeah, but the, you know the hockey team. I mean, obviously they've played everybody close. I mean, I think they have five one goal losses. I think I looked up right before we came on here. And yep. uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so they were they mentioned that several times on the on the broadcast that they they've had a lot of really close games, which yeah, and, you know. including against Minnesota State. I mean they. The game down here in Mankato uh, was a four-three game, and uh, the game up there, uh, it was two-two after two, and then Minnesota State scored like five in the second period or the third period. <laughs> so, well, kind of so, like Tex win yeah. Friday then. It was kind of like Friday. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know they 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 played them close. They're physical. Um, you know, I don't know if. They have to do that to kind of make up for where else they lack. They have a lot of new players. I mean, I think they had 15 players turnover on that roster or something. So, you know, Rico is trying to build something there. And, uh, you know, the building's going to help just in general, just trying to improve every year and getting better players. I think they're going to be fine eventually. Well, and, and what? So next year's freshmen can potentially make the tournament as seniors, right? Yeah. yeah so that's be- that'll be helpful too. That that at least that that uh, blackout period or whatever you want to call it, the transition period where they're not allowed to participate, is starting to to wear off to the point where incoming freshmen can at least have that belief that if they can be good in their senior year that they could actually make the tournament so that that'll help too i think another thing to consider in that and why uh tommy's might be getting more competitive at other sports before hockey is just the sheer layout of how hockey recruiting and just how the entire system works is so wildly different than all those other sports like for all those other sports, it's like, all right, there's a, a good local kid in high school that we could probably sell on the promise of helping to build the program. And it's, I mean, more or less, you have those local ends. You can get a couple of stud high school kids that come straight in and play, but hockey doesn't quite work that way. Like, you go through the whole junior system. There's a more, uh, like, involved recruiting process. I think kids might be a little bit more thoughtful as a result. And then well, and there's more opportunity yeah. to defer. Like you can, you can get pushed back a year. In football, you, there's no juniors to go play. So if you didn't get a scholarship, you just go somewhere else and junior college on somewhere. Yeah, you go to JUCO or whatever. But there's, but that's still, 
starting your clock, Dustin. Whereas, yeah, it is junior it's, hockey. It's college do still, that. but yeah, it's still yeah, college. I, I guess I thought they might be more competitive right away, just with the combination of well, the transfer portal this year uh, or the last couple of years. The um, just the uh, you know the the junior, yeah, just the junior pool being as large as it, as it is. Maybe you're not going to get top USHL guys, but you might start getting good NA players, which is what Minnesota State really did for a long time. I mean, they've, lot, they've gotten a lot of really good players out of that conference. Um, yeah, and I, I just really thought transfer-wise that, and, and maybe that's the difference this year too, but um, again, easier said than done. You can't just take 15 players and throw them you know, and expect them to gel in a new program either. So, well, and we talked about it this a few weeks ago in St. Thomas, and Rico didn't come in there to turn it around in one year. Like, this is obviously going to be a five year plan. They can't get to the tournament for five years. There's no reason to go out and get a whole bunch of grad transfers that aren't even going to be able to be on a team that makes the tournament. There, take take your time and build it from the ground up and use your five years and in five years, be ready to make the tournament. I, I, I feel like that is the mindset that he's taking. And it kind of looks yeah. like that when he's building his roster. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. I do. I do have my, I do have a personal issue with, I mean, the tournament's obviously the goal and I don't have a problem with that, but it can't be the only reason you're building your program right it's it's like people talking about the pairwise in october it's like you know there's a full season to enjoy there's a full season to see (laughs) great competition there's a full season to 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 watch games and watch teams improve or you know the the ups and downs of it it seems like we get so laser focused on the nca tournament you know whether it's the pairwise rankings or like okay they're going to build for when you know, we know we're not going to be good until five years, and then when we can make the tournament, we'll be good. Well, what does that tell your fan? How do you build a fan base that way? How do you build a, uh, yeah, yeah? But some of it too is, the, I guess they could create enough demand to to make it hard to get a ticket in in the St. Thomas Academy Arena or whatever the actual <laughs> name is there. But like, until you have that building i don't know if if like the more the more effort you put into winning now isn't going to really translate other i can mean interest and everything and driving people to you know to watch on flow because they can't get the ticket would help too but at the same time like until they have that building i don't i get the slowness but at the same time like I, i we've said it many times on the podcast i was always surprised that Rico didn't take the opportunity to use the portal to go get six seniors, six juniors, six sophomores, and fill it out with some freshmen that he actually expects to be around for years and not just do more of what he did, which is bring in a bunch of guys and then do kind of some of that more year two, where he brought in, you know, a guy like Grant Doctor and a bunch of other transfers. Um I don't know. And the other thing that I, the other problem I think with year one that we don't know as fans is how many scholarships did he actually have to work with last year? 
Yeah, I, I guess I don't that I don't know that question the answer to that question if if they were limiting themselves or if the CCHA I I assume at some point they will be required to you know carry the full 18 um because I think that's a CCHA bylaw that teams have to carry the full 18 um you know whatever was it, Atlantic hockey that you know had a lower threshold um few years ago and they changed that i don't know if they required all their teams to do it or they just allowed teams to go up to 18 or what but um yeah that's that's a good question that's that that is a good question and especially at a school like that which is not not cheap to go to yeah it's a lot cheaper maybe, to go there. and maybe that is why we saw more transfers this year is because he is dealing with the full allotment now and he didn't have that last year that's <laughs> right. possible um, no, but you can also try to build you know you get the right players in to try to build your culture i know a lot of people hate that word but you know build you know build up that culture and build up that that uh you know whatever it is you're trying to try to do there um so that when you do start you know, you worry it always worries me. Like I remember, I mean, this goes back a, a million years, but you know, the the teams that like they have to play like a really ugly style of play to try to win games in order to eventually recruit better players, and then they'll stop playing that ugly way. Well, it never happens because they never can get good enough players who want to play an ugly style. <laughs> Like, sounds, you know, sounds familiar uh, uh, I just remember that from many years ago um, and you know Dean Talifus at Alaska Anchorage you know just in the 90s literally saying you know well we have to play this way until we get you know until we get better and it was just like a fait accompli you know they didn't <laughs> they never got better um, yeah, you get you get stuck in that cycle of this is who you're recruiting, this is who you're getting, and you know you don't break through anything there if you don't have the the desire to play better. Like coming out and saying that it's never going to help. I don't. And think. you know, <laughs> and, and related to that is if you do have success doing that, and you do then start winning, and then you change your recruiting philosophy, then what happens? I had a, a really good conversation with Todd Cannot, Minnesota State's associate head coach. The guy I think should be coaching St. Thomas or should be coaching Augustana. <laughs> um, <laughs> I personally think, um, uh, you know, he he's. I, I remember asking him, you know, with the success that Minnesota State has had, they don't appear to have changed their recruiting philosophy with older players, guys and guys staying in juniors, guys committing and then playing two year junior, you know, b- because they're asked to, um, and he told me that I can't remember who it was. He said there was another coach, a coach out East who basically kind of gave him that advice that said, don't, don't change what you're doing. I bet it was uh, the Lowell head coach under that cam was under. Cause cam told us the same thing where it's like, don't just because you can get these better guys, better guys doesn't mean you should change what made you what you are. You try and find better guys that still fit what you want to do right and just yeah you don't 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 start chasing the guys that bc and michigan are going after just because you're a better team now just 
you know, try and find the guys that still fit what you're doing and continue to do what you're doing. And it's why, I mean, I'm sure you guys, you know, would agree just because I think tech's philosophy is similar is that you, you see, you know, you know, you get the complaints about the older players, but, you know, I guess I'd rather have an older player who plays four years as a really good college hockey player than a one and done, unless that one and done guy is going to be the difference in, you know, maybe getting you to a national championship, but that those that's hard to do because teams like Michigan Tech, Minnesota State, other CCHA teams, they're not going to get three and four, three of four of them a year, like some of those Big Ten schools are, like BC might do or BU. Um, sure, we'd all love it, we'd all love to see it, um, but but look it, what it's gotten them, right? <laughs> it's re- it's really hard to win with that turnover and that and it's really hard to instill and keep that culture with all that turnover and just remember have a lot, coaches have a lot of voices in their ear when that happens too right you get those players you don't just get those players you get their agents and you get their families and you get their <laughs> nhl uh general managers um and top scouts coaches are talking to them all the time yeah they, they don't i mean they're they're talking to those players they're talking to those guys all the time with you know undrafted guys too <laughs> you know who are older guys who suddenly are prospects but it's just you know that's that's i don't know it's interesting it's an interesting world to you know manage a single player when you're trying to build a, a full team yeah Definitely. And yeah. I mean, even tech's been bit a few times. I, I say bit, but like, you know, we've had a few different players leave early in the last, I guess I don't even know how far back that goes, but we lost Redmond after one good year. We lost Jujar Kara after one good year. Was Rinky multiple years? Rinky was early? there multiple years. I don't know if he was a, yeah. uh, I think he was a junior when he left. Yeah, I think he, he was there three years. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. In Minnesota State, you know, they've been fortunate. They haven't lost. Nathan Smith left early, but they haven't had a lot of guys leave early. And they've had a lot of guys, even including this season, stick around um, who might have had a chance to sign or certainly had, you know, oppor- you know op- opportunities to make that decision this year. I think Brendan Furry, Jake Livingstone, Ryan Sandlin. Now, how seriously did they? you know, take it um, compared to the decision to come back. I don't know, but I, I think, I think those opportunities were there if they wanted and, you know, they chose to come back to school and yeah. for final year. So you, do, so do you think, uh, I know you, you, you kind of ripped on talking about pairwise, I guess it's not October <laughs> anymore, but um do do you see Minnesota State as a bubble team? I mean, right now they're 15th, right? And I, you know, yeah. it looks like they are. And if you read college hockey news right now and, and uh Adam Odin's Twitter, and I have a lot of respect for Adam and he follows that stuff closely, but you know, he said the trend over the last few years is that um you know you can you can look at the pairwise in November and say that 
know, 80% of those teams in the top 16 will be in the, in the national tournament in, in, in March. And now the funny thing was the outlier last year at this time when, when he put that up there was Denver because that they, Denver was 37th in, in <laughs> they won the national championship, but, um, but that so, happens like yeah, it's so, there's outliers that can go on runs, but, and I think typically I think those teams, you know, part of the reason Minnesota states pairwise is low is because Minnesota Duluth's not having a very good year. And suddenly those two wins, which looked great on the second weekend of the hockey season, don't aren't, help. <laughs> aren't helping your strength of schedule anymore. And, um, you know, losing two games to St. Cloud and, uh, uh, losing to Northern at home, you know, having home losses, um, but you know, you go on a run, you win games, you should be fine. I I do, but it is also again, like I was saying earlier, it is part of my issue with looking so closely at the pairwise because it looks like you know that is the end all, right? That you know, hey, that was a great hockey game. What's the pairwise? You know, <laughs> yeah. No, it is it. it... I get it from that perspective. I've looked at it more, and last year specifically, I went through, and every Monday I saved the pairwise. Oh yeah, just, I think I just to watch the that. trend, and oh. it was like, yeah. So at this point, last year Denver was sixth. Uh, by the time this podcast comes out, it like so it would be like today's released poll last year. Denver was sixth in the pairwise, oh, okay. and and they fell the ninth the week after Thanksgiving. And then after that, they were top five the rest of the year. So once they, whatever they did between November 8th and November 22nd, it got them in the top 10. And last year, the top 15 in the pairwise, the entire month of December, or the top, is it 14? Top 14 in the pairwise, or the top 15 in the pairwise had 14 teams that made the tournament. So it is weird, but at the same time, you know, we said a lot about a lot of the reason it's changed so much that Adam pointed out was there are less ho- holiday tournaments than there used to be. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot less non-conference that's between conferences happening the rest of the year than there used to be. Big one this weekend, though. Bemidji and North Dakota. Yeah. That should have some implications, but the, but you know, basically, a lot of the non-conference happens in October and early November. I think I when I looked it up two weeks ago, it was sixty percent of all non-conference that was between two conferences had already happened, and the rest of them are all going to happen pretty much by the by January third. So Minnesota State does play Arizona State in January. But that's um, not what I'm that those don't count. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. And tech does tech goes to Arizona and plays in that tournament, which yeah. um they could play or well, they will play somebody that's not Arizona State and in a conference, but we don't know if it'll be BU or was it Army? I forget already. Uh but yeah, a lot of it. And and it's and that's just one year, but you know Adam Mooten's talked about how they've gone back and looked at it, and I don't know how they determine their stuff, but yeah, because a lot and I've gotten into a couple Twitter arguments about it because it's it is 
Because basically, if you're a top 10 team right now, as long as you continue to act like one, you're going to stay there. Right. And right. usually college hockey is pretty good about teams. Like teams don't, at least in the last few years, haven't really like fallen apart. Right. You know, you just, you might have one hiccup of a weekend, but then it's probably against a good team because you're in a good conference and you just keep going. And, but so much of it. And, and the biggest thing is the, the non-conference is is the big one that swings things that isn't within a team's control. And if most of that's already happened, then it's way more about what you do than what anybody else does. Yeah. All right. Well, what else do we want to talk about with Shane before we keep him too long? Anything? <laughs> um, let's look ahead to this weekend. What do we what do we think's going to happen? I mean, we got we got Well, my first question is a, is our patron Saint Tanner Edwards going to play this weekend? I don't know. It's a good question. I saw he's played four games. Yeah, but I didn't pay attention to when they were played because I know he had only played two games a couple weeks ago. Right. Um... So we were wondering if he had come back from some injury or something. That I don't know. But he played. So he played two weekends in the middle of the season, the Halloween weekend and the weekend after, and that's it. Hmm. I, uh, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, he doesn't have any penalty minutes in four games, though. So I don't know what he's getting benched he's for if goal, he's not taking he? dumb penalties. And he got a goal, yeah. Uh, I think he scored against St. Thomas. Is that right? No, Bowling Green. Oh, it's Bowling Green. Okay. Um. In a three-two victory, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you'll see him. Okay, I hope he doesn't play. He's primed for a breakout. <laughs> He's also primed to agitate somebody like Rylan Mosley into slashing him like Rylan did on <laughs> Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, I'll be. You know, I'll, I think that you know the Mavericks. I mean, I'm not saying they've figured out their goaltending yet. I think they. Keenan Rancier's percentage finally got above 900 after this past weekend playing well. Um, those two goalies have played okay, but not great. Um, which, you know, more appreciation for Dryden McKay based on, on some of that, but big shoes to fill on their part and, and learning and, you know, not having, having like some young defensemen in front of them. I mean, you know, even Jake Livingstone played a ton of minutes on Friday, a little less on Saturday, but um, Mavericks are you're playing those veteran D a lot just because they, they're still trying to fill in uh, those other three spots. Um, so I'll be curious to see how they play on the road. Uh, see if they can they look like they got their power play clicking on Friday or on Saturday, excuse me. We'll see if they keep that up. Um, and uh, they need a few guys to kind of get going. A couple older guys. They got to get Brendan Furry. Looked like he was starting to figure it out. Had a couple good games against Bowling Green and uh, um, St. Thomas. And then I didn't notice him as much this weekend. 
him, Cade Borchardt, a couple of those older seniors, they, they got to lean on them. Their older guys came through. A lot of the older guys came through on Saturday, and they're going to need that. Um, they have some good young players, but they, they need those older players to, you know, they've kind of, not, not very many of them had real consistent starts other than Sam Morton did, but he's hurt. Um, David Cilia has been really good. And then it's kind of been their defenseman. As we've kind of alluded to, if you want to go to tech and have the atmosphere not really be part of the play, this is pretty much the only way you're going to do it. So maybe that'll play in the Minnesota State's advantage. It's hard to say. I mean, every player I talk to loves going up there when the when the place is hopping. Um, you know, so I think players like that. I think they, they like it when it's their home crowd, but I don't know if anyone likes going to an empty building and play um, just because – you know, it's hard to get too excited. I guess, it, you know, the home team maybe doesn't get very excited then. But I guess when you put it that way, I do agree with you. Because thinking about it, like, the Sanford Center is an infinitely better arena than uh, Slater is. But I'd rather go see a Bowling Green game at Bowling Green any day of the week. Because yeah. the atmosphere there is so much better. Yep. Speaking of atmosphere... Uh, Michigan Tech was two thirds of the fans Saturday night at St. Thomas. Yeah, pretty much. You could tell the on only the, section on the, on that the had St. Thomas fans was the student section, and maybe like a little bit of section two, and that was it. Otherwise, it was I like Joe literally Joe the first. Do we? Joe's like, do we send a bus, or was, do we just have a lot of alumni there? Like, what, you know, he was actually asking on his radio show yep. why there were so many of us. Yeah. So there were only if, ten misfits there, ten actual students that drove down. Okay, that's what I was curious about. Well, that's 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 pretty cool. That's great. Well, I think a lot of it is this is probably the second or third largest metro area for alumni. I would guess. Yeah, I would guess so, yeah. And Tech doesn't, like, they'll go to Mankato and they'll go to Bemidji, but it's not like they go to St. Cloud or Minnesota anymore. So this is the easy trip for all of them. Sure. And I talked to a lot of friends over the last couple of days or at both the games. Um, but yeah, like, it, it's just a, and it's a cheap ticket too. You know, it's not like it's $40 to go to a game against St. Thomas. Um, so that helps. And then it's just, you know, no hotels for a lot of the alumni because they're all coming from somewhere. I think we had, I think Bethlehem's alumni gathering had about 50 people at it. So it's pretty good. Yeah. It was a pretty good turnout for that. Um, let's finish our predictions. And then I got a couple other things I can talk about while we still have Shane, but, uh, what do you what do you guys think will actually happen this weekend for a result? Well, I'm the first one to call for a split. split. <laughs> How many? Everyone's saying split. Is everyone going to say split here? I'm I'm saying split. I'm going to say I would be thrilled with a split, but I think it's going to be a split where the game we win is in overtime, so Mankato still walks out with majority of points. Well, I have a hard time believing that Michigan Tech wins an overtime game, but. No. <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be zero after, shots after goal and no, and no, and no possession on, changes in overtime after watching us play three on three a couple of weekends ago I have 
no doubt in my mind that it will be ugly as heck if we get to three on three against Minnesota State. <laughs> well, we played two. We played two overtime games. One was pretty, and one was ugly. So yeah, the ugly either could happen. Scarred me so poorly, I don't remember the pretty. <laughs> I so remember the, the pretty ones. So... Five minutes of hockey I have ever watched. Yeah. <laughs> there well, was you should, you, should, you should tell Shane your One. idea for overtime rules. You should have been there paying needs... more attention, cl- more close attention to that Michigan GOI game last year. I thought that was the most boring f- hockey <laughs> of your life. But no, until until they do a backcourt violation with the blue line to stop the possession dragging, the oh, overtime's stupid. Oh, so you, like not allowing you three. Get... That allows you them to you can't purposely bring it out of the offensive yep. zone. That's a face off. So you know that's a lacrosse rule too. That's a, that's a, is that's it a, actually? So in at least in men's or boys lacrosse, because um, they it's only a certain time of the game. It's late in the game, late in the half, I believe. They have a box because you have a certain amount of time to get it into that box. But you can sure. then take it yeah. I, I don't even I don't even care for a shot clock or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, just once you've entered the zone. You can't go out. But that's the amount of times they took yep. the puck backwards to safely change. Again, there was a single shot in the entire five minutes two weeks ago. That's an interesting. All they were doing was just rotating and. And that would make it a lot better backwards. in the NHL too, because the NHL does the same thing where they, yeah. if they don't get the opportunity they want, and it's been thirty seconds, they. F- Take it all the way back behind the goalie and make a change with two Everybody, guys and pass the puck and then up. change it yep. and yeah and it's and a giant what, what, waste of time that defeats the whole purpose of playing the game right like oh, it's not supposed to be about that. So the rule um, would be, you can't take it out with possession. You can't pass it out on purpose. And then what's the violation or what's the what's the punishment? Then it just treat it like an I ice would ball. I would treat it like a delay of game and make it a a a. a Defensive face-off, yeah. Yeah, I, I would make it enough, a defensive zone face-off for the team that committed it, yeah. And they can't, without, and they can't, without change. And they can't change, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's perfectly fine. It's, a, it's yeah. just an addition for overtime when it's three-on-three three, that that's the the a delay of game. Yeah, I, like I think it. that it drives great. It drives the excitement you're looking to get out of it and forces people actually to shoot. I'll bet you will get zero coaches to vote in favor of such a rule. I was about to say I disagree with this, but I would listen to it. I, I the log the logic is sound. I will listen I, to that, but I disagree with it. I, I like it. I, I, I think it's that's um, maybe make it the red line at first, just to you know, because I mean, yeah. you can still get a change. Well, you, you've got you've got the two linesmen that are already watching for offsides, anyways, and are already that's their spot on the ice, right? So. There's not really a big amount of change in terms of the officiating crew in what their positioning is to you know watch that I guess right so my argument against again, that is just the simple ahead. fact that like if you think of a game like lacrosse where they have a similar rule like a lacrosse field is enormous like it's gonna be like a long arduous process if you don't have somebody coming up there like I get we like hockey being a fast game but we're not gonna be going like. Like without a rule like that, we're not going to be going three minutes without somebody trying. <laughs> like I just we did. Is, did you not watch is, that? Did you not watch that game? The OT. No one tried to shoot one shot in five minutes. Well, that's, and that, line that, changes that is, that is, was the entirety of the period. Well, we should go pull that up on Instat and see how many shots were attempted versus shots on goal. 
Just I would to be double curious check, to see, but, but I, I bet you it's not double digits. Oh, I bet I'm sure it's not. Uh, it was but boring I'm as more shit. Than one, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I like. I mean, there's it. been times this year we've been looking to get double digits in a 20 minute period. I mean, <laughs> but that's five on five, and they're trying the whole time. You don't see that backcourt passing type motion, except yeah, when you have the three on three. You just don't like the only time you see that ever is when you have a when you have a penalty kill. And somehow they have the opportunity to like they're backpassing to de- to drag out the penalty kill to delay. That's that's different because it's them taking advantage of possession when they really shouldn't have it because they're down a man. Yeah, as a soccer fan, where you know you see people going backwards often, I'm often confused why you know the the dump and chase method is the preferred way to even you know, generate offense sometimes because a lot of times in hockey, you see dump and chase constantly just end up with, you know, the D clearing the zone, you losing it. Why do you not go back to your D and try a zone entry again? That That's the way yeah. soccer would handle it. Right. Yeah. And you don't see that in hockey. You and see soccer is boring. <laughs> and, and people complain about it. Right. And here we go. We're trying to make the end of the game exciting because, oh, no, a tie was the worst thing in the world. That bored everybody. Here we and go. We just drag it out. I don't pay money to watch tries. <laughs> we I don't go out, to a building, spend money on concessions and a ticket to watch a tie. <laughs> I just don't. I'm happy that's a relic of the past. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, yeah, that's what, you watch that's what happened to the generation that got participation trophies. Somebody's got to win, and somebody is it like seventy percent of every soccer game a tie? Seventy <laughs> no. percent of every soccer game. Those no. stats are eighty percent of the time. It was all the time. <laughs> that's sixty percent of the time. Hey, 60% I remember it was from Anchorman. I've watched yeah, it was four sixty. Gotta, it's so got to be a percentage so that's high enough to be time. funny, but low enough to be like believable. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Something's got to be done to avoid that, especially. In, I get why they want to do it in the NHL with the really high skilled players, but we're a layer underneath that. The skill level isn't necessarily always there, and, and you're taking two teams just watching them pass the puck around. You're nothing is oof. It needs improvement. How about my paintball idea? <laughs> your paintball idea would have made an improvement if you give the coaches a paintball gun and someone gets hit they have to go off the ice <laughs> do we have to give the coaches paintball guns that like match the color of their team so you know who hit them yeah so if, you, yep. if one of your players gets caught in the crossfire they don't have to go off yeah and that no, would no, last, no, no. That would last until one of the too. players got hit in the okay. eye no they had to wear eye protection this is- so now they got to wear full face wear a Okay, yeah. got it. Just yep. make everyone wear a bubble. But if we go to if we go to OT versus Minnesota State and the skill level that they've had for years, I don't see it ending well. So back to where all this argument started. I'm going with a split with no OT. <laughs> <laughs> Mankato now sweep. I want both games to go to OT just to piss you off. <laughs> all right, so Dustin, uh, Mankato sweep. I only, I only Did I hear that? Watch, I only get to watch Friday night. Mankato oh. sweep. All right. Uh, just just to be exciting and to be the uh, the Skip Bayless of the show, I'll take the tech sweep for the hell of it. Whoa, sure. whoa, whoa! Yeah. If anyone's Skip Bayless here, <laughs> it's you. But yes. okay, so I'm Shannon Sharp. Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> that's that's such an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even the best Sharp, but okay. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yep. That's right. That's right. The only Packers jersey I own there. 
Sterling Sharp. So this this segment will probably end up being Patreon only just because of uh, who I was talking to. But so at the St. Thomas series on Saturday night, uh, both Don Lucia and Kevin Langseth were in the building. So I took it. I took the opportunity to ask Kevin what the hell a face-off violation is, because that is one rule I have oh, never did he understood. Explain it. Yep. It's when they raise their hand and you get in trouble again. That's yeah. all I know about it. I, I know that. <laughs> but but I finally understood. I finally understand. Like, so so you can violate by. Uh, Christ, now I got to remember how he worded it. And I'm, pr- I'm probably not actually going to remember it, but it made sense in the moment. Um, but the biggest thing he was trying to explain was that, like, just because he raises his hand doesn't mean the center's the one that broke the rule the wings encroaching can also get the violation called and it it falls on the center if the penalty is called but the wings encroaching can violate just as much as the center not following the rules so the wings Um, can rack up penalty minutes for the center technically yeah but there's only been (laughs) i think he said there's only been like four penalties called all year so far in the conference at least. Um, and he said that uh, one of the other things that can happen that's also a violation and you can get yelled at for is the defensive player. So whoever, if it's not the center ice face-off circle, whoever closest to their own net has to put their stick down first. Correct. Yeah, I knew and that. And there's apparently one team in the league who's notorious for taking their sweet ass time to put their stick down and they can get called for a violation for taking too long to put their stick down first. Now I don't know who which team that is because I, I I left it alone because I'll try and pay more attention the rest of the year to see if I ever noticed that's why somebody's getting yelled at uh mm-hmm. in any of text games going forward. But he said, you know, mo- for the most part nobody does that. Um what team, what team would be doing that tor- sort of gamesmanship? Was well, it mm. is it is it the, the team Shane covers? I don't know. No, I I was thinking. I don't I, I don't recall seeing. I would have guessed. I would have guessed Northern or Bowling Green for. I would have guessed Northern. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't recall. It might be biased though. That's saying that. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think of like. Yeah, I don't. I'm gonna have to pay more attention the rest of the year now to see if I notice that happening. You know, because um, they don't throw guys out anymore. And they go to I I don't now I haven't been at every game this year for different reasons and I so I haven't seen uh, I don't recall seeing a penalty called this year, but because they don't throw guys out anymore, um, it's a lot harder to notice if you're put the hand on your up, computer, yeah, yeah the hand up, and then they go ahead and then they drop the puck and they're they're they they go so it's um it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. That's, I don't think it's MSU only because I just don't recall seeing it a ton. But maybe maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah, and I do think while the ref, I thought the refs this weekend were calling things way too tight because I didn't understand all of the. I didn't understand all the obstruction penalties because it seemed like they were calling them for hits on the guy who had been bringing the puck in. 
And I thought you were allowed yeah. to hit the guy who carried the puck. Oh, well, no. Well, you're supposed to. I don't know what the time is, but if they if if you're going in one on one with a guy, and if I'm if I'm coming in on you and I dump the puck, if you don't hit me immediately, you can't hit me. Okay. You have to, I I have the right to go after that puck. You can hit me right away within a second, but if if I skate two strides and then you check me like old school NHL or old school college hockey, that's that's interference, and it seems like that comes up every couple of years. I they they missed that like three times. It was the opposite in Mankato because okay. as many penalties for as many penalties as they called this weekend, they let that one go a couple of times. Okay. Well that makes more sense because that is how they called it. Um it's it used to be like two strides or one second or some something that if you 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 can, you can knock them off the puck you know yeah but if they dump the puck or pass it they're not the possessor anymore especially if they're trying to make a move to get around you and you check them yeah um it, it's it's supposed to be interference okay. for the most part i i was all right with those calls but there were a few times last night where i went in the discord and i said man somebody you better close these doors because there's gonna be a draft that knocks somebody over and it's gonna be a call it's because they're really calling it tight this weekend there, they, just... there were a lot of penalties in Mankato. it makes me wonder if there was like a league or even national directive about something because holy cow that Saturday, I mean, there were 13 penal- thirteen minor penalties called in the first and second periods on Saturday. Yeah, the flow of the games this weekend was absolutely crappy with how many penalties were being called. It, it felt pretty rough, for sure. Friday was that bad, but Saturday, Saturday was... Saturday's second Oof. period was the choppiest, like, uh, it was like, my daughter complained about being bored on Friday. Beth Lynn and I both complained about being bored Saturday during that second period. The first period was probably the worst, or not worst, the weirdest 20 minutes of hockey I've ever watched. Because Tech goes up, what, 3 0? Yeah. 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 Right. So Tech goes up 3 0. It was 3 2 to end the period. And then they take that major and give up two power play goals during the five minutes and take like all the steam out of that. Plus one of the three goals Tech scored, Bethlin was convinced was offsides. And and Rico had it reviewed, and it was called a goal. And I haven't looked at it again at all to see what it looked like. Nor do do we get like the blue line angle for the camera that they put in for that. Um, but it was that the, the like the I don't know the second period was just weird because it was just a bunch of penalties and not much fun to watch and just like and they were mostly ugly power plays by tech yeah um, i felt like i was trudging through that second period watching it on the stream and then the third period you know they let uh, st thomas's first shot on goal in the period is the one to tie the game it was their only shot in that period until the power play at the end i believe and then rylan mosley happens to get the puck after or uh who was it Soretsk? i guess jed was the one that got it away from uh uh, uh, what's his name? Because Doctor's the one that coughed it up at the blue line to Jed, and then uh, Soretsky with the beautiful pass over to Mosley to set him up for the the game winner. 
um but it was just it was a weird game and and matt to uh we we got another thing you can add to your jed 2024 or whatever the hell year you were going to put on there was it 2022 i don't even remember what i don't know i just like making the jeb bush jokes it just it, it teases itself up too well i've got another one loaded up for the next time he scores because on friday night uh after the game dustin's son and my daughter went down to get high fives from all the team when they came off the ice and jed took the moment to like stick his hand on joey's bucket hat and shake it shake her head a little bit after giving her a high five so that yeah. was kind of cool. It took me a minute to figure out who it was because it's hard to read the numbers and I couldn't read the nameplate because I was standing at the top of the tunnel recording well, there you a video go. of it. So that was, Jed was nice enough to do that. So my Jed daughter loved that. is yep. for the children is what we learned. I like hearing <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was, I mean, we can probably let you go now if you want to and we can talk a little bit more about that series since we've had you long enough, Shane. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining us. Yeah. Of course, Thanks. you want to plug your socials and everything real quick so everyone can go find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter as long as Twitter's still around at <laughs> Puckato. <laughs> and, and are you still doing the, the Mankato radio show or podcast for the I'm doing team? a podcast, Maverick Hockey Live, they call it. Um, you can go to the MSU Mavericks. Um, or is it the Minnesota State men's hockey YouTube page to find it, or wherever you find your podcasts. And then uh, I do a Substack uh, at least twice a week, sometimes more, but puckato.substack.com. Currently it's still free. I have not gone to uh, paid subscribers yet. Um, Maybe I should, but it's... um, I do have my Venmo on there. People, I, and you know, I'm not begging. I'm just saying, people, if they they, <laughs> they want some value out of it, <laughs> yeah. I got that idea from Andrew Brandt, the ESPN guy, former Packer exec, who might be the best follow on Twitter. Um, that's what he does on his, but he's more famous than I am. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never would have expected to get as many patrons as we have gotten it's yeah, good it's for you cool. I, I, that's very cool very cool um got you know some, got, some, got some wealthy engineers and dentists that like like what we do so there you go. <laughs> I just need to put maybe i need to put a little effort into it so <laughs> yeah you, you never know until you do it and i we always joked i made the joke actually i was handing out some stickers that i had made of the the podcast and the and the website uh, it's one of the guys, and I was joking about how, like, we always have to have one Patreon tier that nobody's at. So there's always one tier higher than what you are, even though it's ridiculous. Because I put the $25 one out there thinking nobody would ever do it, and we have two people at that level. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so it's nice to just, just uh, have people supporting us as much yep. as they want and, and get given back to help us out. So it makes it a little bit easier to for the time sink this becomes editing it and getting it all ready for everybody. So, right. But it's been fun. Cool. Thanks Shane. Well, well done. And uh, thanks for, thanks for having me. Maybe we can uh, do it again next uh, uh, in the second half. Next Mankato series. Yeah. All right. Yep. Thanks Shane. Yep. Thanks Shane. Thanks. Yeah, later. See Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag.
Look online at FibKeyDental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E Dental.com. Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at livoniatech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A tech.net. Dustin, what were your impressions of getting to see the team live? I thought it was pretty up and down, right? It, they, at times, I was really impressed. I thought they looked pretty good. But then they had these sometimes long stretches of play that just nothing clicked. I don't know if it yeah. was just I, – I don't know what it was, but that's, that second half of the second period on, on Friday – it just seemed like nothing worked. I don't know if they weren't moving. At times, it seemed like they weren't moving their legs. You know, just kind of standing around in the defensive end, and and it showed. Like they got dominated for long stretches of that second period, the end of the second period, and ended up taking penalties. And um, I don't. Know, I didn't like what I saw there, but then they come back in the third period and kind of Blue hit on all yep. hit on all cylinders again. So I I don't know it. I think, I think overall it's good, team. but yeah. But it's, it's it's very very much had this kind of a disjointed up and down feeling. I thought the way that they played. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was. Um, it certainly felt more disjointed than the St. Lawrence series, where it did feel like for long stretches, they had kind of lost their purpose or gotten away from whatever the game plan was, and were not the ones. Like the thing about St. Thomas is I don't expect to win, but I do expect a program that's more established like Tex to dictate the way the game's played. And there were long stretches where they did not do that both nights and they let St. Thomas play the way they wanted. And that's what got them in trouble. And I think that's all about, the young team and then the other thing the other big thing on the weekend was i don't know what the hell is wrong with that power play but they just can't it's such a perimeter based thing with no in inside penetration at all no they need to be they need to be just an umbrella of no movement yeah it feels like they need they need to be doing something else because it feels like especially that five like the other weird thing about uh was it Saturday night? Was the both teams got five on threes? Yeah, and we had a full, right. like a legit full. Like they had a, a minute 42, I think, or something, and we had a full two minutes, and it was like. Which was, was Rico's like, fault, by the way. Yeah, Rico's the one that, was it, What I don't know. Was it Rico that complained enough to get it? They just said bench, you don't necessarily know, right? Uh, I mean, it was pretty clear from the radio broadcast that it was Rico yelling a yep, lot. Yep, yep, okay. yep. 
And that's uh, another thing to kind of, I don't know if Rico necessarily lost them that game, but it seems like he's got a tendency in those situations to like really lose his head. And then I feel like St. Thomas is kind of out of it once that happens. Like one time that really comes to mind was um, if you remember in the playoffs when they were playing against Mankato, there was a missed penalty against Mankato that led to a goal for them. Yeah. And uh, they would not review it. And Rico absolutely lost his mind, even though St. Thomas is playing him really tight up until that point. The wheels just fell off. And, and that's so, going to happen, yeah. I think, that that's something Rico needs to work on. Because you, like, if the coach blows up on that stuff, then the players react to that and feel like that it's, you know, eight on five now because the, cause the ref, or, you know, seven on five now because the refs are against you and it just, it can really snowball and affect things. Um, and you just get out of your game, right? Because you you need your coach to be the level head there and just be like, all right, we just got to play, we just got to overcome this. Yeah. You can't, you can't uh, be the one to get irate. And I get that, that it just happens sometimes and that was, And there is an extent to which, you know, the coach has to be the one that goes to bat for his players when the calls seem a little ridiculous. But there is also an extent to which he hurt his team in a a bad way when that happened. He might not have capitalized on that power play, which was, you know, another topic of discussion if you want to get back to the tech side for sure. But it was just the fact that they even went down like that, I feel like, depleted the energy of that team quite a bit. Sure, but then, but then Tech take then Kataroff takes his penalty, and it's suddenly three two, and it's a brand new game, and we have the ugly second period, and and then St. Thomas actually scores to tie it up. So I don't know if I would agree with that, but at the same time, like I get that uh, he impacted the game, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it, uh, yeah, it seemed like they that like you know steering it back to Tech again and kind of my impressions it, it seemed like there are also some really weird and kind of unnecessary like just defensive lapses like you made a comment Tim how do you let somebody come in on a, on a breakaway on a when you're killing a penalty like you're, you're down five on four and you're letting people get behind you that that should that shouldn't happen when you're killing a penalty right um and a I few don't different know if it was a like bad that, change. I haven't gone back to watch that at all to know, but yeah, it yeah that didn't make sense to me that you you shouldn't be allowing a breakaway on a short when you're when you're down a man. Yep. So I don't know. I it it, it the, I think the positive thing is I don't think any of the stuff that I saw that kind of bugged me or that I noticed was off is really that difficult to fix. Like I feel like. It's stuff that can be cleaned up, and yeah. I'm sure the coaches are seeing the exact same thing that we are, and probably at you know they're seeing a lot more than we are. I know they are, um, yeah. and none of it is anything that you need to really be worried about. Like, oh, this is something that we can't get over. This is going to plague us, you know. But because they they can fix this stuff, which is good. Yeah, and I don't remember which post game it was that I listened to if it was Fridays or Saturdays but Joe talked about it in the in the respect of we had some breakdowns but they were individual mistakes that led to goals they weren't team breakdowns it's a lot easier to fix one mistake by an individual and work on that whether it's 
them specifically working on it or finding somebody else that can do those things. Mm-hmm. He said versus, the same thing this morning in the Joe show. Breakdown, breakdowns, yeah. So it's it's mm-hmm. good that that's the kind of mistakes we're seeing made, and it sucks that they're they turned into a couple goals this weekend. But at the same time, um, like I, said, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing fix. that it's a good thing that you have mistakes like that in a game situation. You still come away with wins because that that can be a really big learning opportunity. Yeah without sacrificing points yep and we need that well i feel like we can wrap this up anything else you guys want to talk about we have a shout out oh right right uh on on saturday or on friday night uh dustin's brother-in-law introduced us to one of our patrons who missed his shout out on the podcast so i thought i would take a moment here and uh, do more than just shout him out. I think we will re-shout out all of our October signups. Um, so we got uh, Tim Kotula, Kotula. I don't. I I know I used to know how to say his name, but I can't. I'm. It's it's all messed up in my head now. He signed up at the black level back in uh, October for an entire year. Charles Dickerson also signed up at the black level for an entire year in, in early October, and then Paul Neinfeld, who we got to meet um on uh friday night uh and, he made uh, us feel like celebrities yeah he did make us feel like celebrities he's like so you must be tim and then he was asking about yeah who else is on the podcast and i'm and he was talking about how he thought dustin was the contrary and i'm like no no that that's matt <laughs> <laughs> he he wasn't on last week so yeah that's what so. they don't pay me to do so Paul Leinfeld signed up at the white <laughs> level for an entire year back on October 10th. So thank you guys for signing up. Uh, and maybe right now, well, no, I think we were going to do, I think I'm going to throw the commercials in after uh, the guys left. Uh, one note about our commercials is uh, my daughter has gotten good enough at playing Angel that I'm getting ready to record that. So we can do our little commercial. I'm kind of excited. I'm hoping we can get that recorded here in December, and then I can try and push that commercial out for the start of the new year. I think that'll be fun. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. I'm I'm really excited, and I think she's excited. She's like, how loud do you want me to play? I'm like, you play as loud as you want. That makes you comfortable. <laughs> I can tweak the levels on the back end, you know. So I, I'm I'm excited to get that recorded so I can mix it and and see what she thinks as much as anything, so. I think she'll get a big kick out of being on the podcast like that. So that's cool. So the um, just a, after that game on Friday, apparently, uh, like all day Saturday, Anders was at home doing the do it again, do it again. We liked it. I got home from something. And, <laughs> nah, and man, I just got to get him up to. You got to get him up to tech for the beginning of a power play where he air pumps for hours on. Love end. it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I, I was told that when I got home from hunting. Right. Uh, Megan had to eat that <laughs> all day. <good> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Anything else? One minute remaining in the podcast. All right. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton pod- podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Uh, as I stated last week, we've also got a TikTok account now for uh, all of you guys that uh, like that kind of stuff. Uh which is Tech Hockey Guide. And then we've got Instagram, which is also just Tech Hockey Guide. I think I've dropped the ball too much now to try and have one of our Zoom chats yet this week. Uh, 
think it's a little too late. Maybe I'll try and get one scheduled for the uh, the week leading up to Christmas and try and get that planned out enough so we can talk about it a little bit. But if you're at the white level or above, you get access to those. We'll, get, we'll try and get one here scheduled shortly. Patrons at the black level or above will receive an extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. And then the gold gold level or above gets the unfiltered YouTube video of the podcast each week. And then the uh, highest level is, I think, silver, which I know would confuse you if you hadn't realized we added it later because we didn't think anybody would actually sign up for the gold level. So at that level, you get the audio, which I usually drop basically as soon as it lets me upload it after we're done recording. All right, I'm just going to skip off the rest of it and go. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibkey Dental in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and Livonia Technical Services. Special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McCresson, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. And finally, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. been listening to the chasing mcnaughton podcast presented by tech hockey guide covering the michigan tech huskies and the ccha